Okay. So Josh Brenner, CEO Woo! of Hired. Thank you for coming on the show. Happy at work. And basically it's all about empowering workers, bringing positivity into the workforce, making people happier at work, making a better situation, diversity, inclusion, all these themes. And what better guest is a guy who's steeped into AI in terms of diversity, hiring, and well, instead of me saying, Josh, you can introduce yourself, what you do and uh, what goes on at Hired. Awesome. Well, thank you first so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be uh, on, on the podcast with, with such an esteemed uh, group here. Um, Hired uh, is a um, AI-driven hiring marketplace. Uh, so what we do is we help companies build their teams um, by providing them with access to a pool of, of pre-vetted candidates. Um, and essentially, uh, we use as much data as we can capture from both sides of the market to make the best match um, and, and ultimately drive to, to, to a placement or, or a hire. Um, and uh, we focus specifically on tech and sales hiring. Um, and we operate primarily in the US, uh, Canada, and the UK. Um, but as uh, we look into next year and, and, and we look back, you know, past on, on, on this past year, uh, things are changing very, very rapidly, as you, as you know, in the, in the hiring world. Uh, companies have um, the ability to hire people now in a lot easier of a way globally. Um, and so uh, that, you know, as we look into next year, that's something that, that, we're, that we're, we're exploring very heavily is, is how do we help our clients also sort of uh, find the best people they can find um, uh, really, really around the world. Josh, I'll start us off. Uh, I teach a strategic sales management class at Harvard Professional Development. And what a lot of the managers have always tried to do, and we do try to help them with, with research-based data, is how do you predict that a salesperson is going to be good at what they do? And I'm curious, uh, to, we all know that to feed AI, you need to feed a lot of information so it can give you some, some really great insights. What sort of things do you try to get from a potential sales candidate so that the AI can start to decide, you know, this is, you're going to be a good match for a company. What do you, what do you ask? That's a great question. Um, uh, you know, one of the things that, that we try to, we try to understand is, you know, what, what are all the data elements, as you mentioned, that are going to be used as features in any in any matching algorithm? Uh, our uh, hired started off primarily in the tech vertical, um, so we have a lot of our training and a lot of our data focused on on the technology side. Sales is actually a newer vertical for us, so it's, so it's actually really timely um, because we're going through these exact conversations right now. Actually, as we build out these these features um, around, you know what what is important to a sales executive and a sales team? How are you gonna know if they're gonna be successful? Um, a lot of the things that are, um, are unique about our platform are transparency on both sides. So one, you know, one of the first sort of level setting um, ways we can understand if, if a match is gonna be relevant is around the salary expectations. So we require our uh, clients to provide upfront um, specifically in, you know, to, in sales, we will talk about, you know, what is the base versus OTE, um, that, that this role offers and the same, the same goes on the, um, on, on the candidate side so that we're not really from the, from the get-go providing a mismatch. Um, also things like, uh, 
uh, industry. Uh, so was the salesperson selling, you know, they had experience selling into uh, HR tech or IT, like who are the, who are the buyers, buyer personas that a salesperson has worked with? Um, what kind of quota attainment they've had historically? Um, uh, you know, do they, have they serviced SMBs versus enterprise? There's different sales cycles typically that um, that, that, that someone, someone would have in, in that scenario. Um, and also, you know, sales cycles of different products are different as well. Is this a SaaS product? Is it a, is it a more traditional product? Is it a data product? Um, so we try to, like I said, we try to collect all this information um, about, about candidates specifically to do with, with the function um, that they're, that they're going to be uh, working on. If it's a, uh, an AE versus an SDR, let's say, or BDR, uh, there's going to be different pieces of information that are going to be important. And once we have all that baseline data, um, we can really enable, uh, start enabling the matching and filtering on the employer side, um, because the way hired works essentially is that um, we're almost like a reverse job board. So companies actually apply to candidates. And so there's a lot of benefits of why, um, why that actually makes sense uh, for, for both parties. Um, but then actually companies can start to filter by the, the attributes that are important to them. Um, and as they start sending out interview requests to candidates, uh, we start learning about a, what is, you know, what are the, what are the, the type of candidates that are going to respond positively to a, to a reach out to a company? What are the types of uh, candidates that a company is reaching out for this specific role so that the next time they come into the product, they're starting to see recommendations that are, are improving based on the information that we know about both sides. Oh, that's great. And, and as I just finish up this, this line of questioning before I hand off to Tessa, uh, one thing that we teach at Harvard is uh, we like to get into the positive psychology end of it. And there's a lot of research behind if you assess people for optimism, that that's actually predictive of sales because it predicts what's going to happen inside someone's head, that, that inner voice of, you know, am I going to be discouraged when Josh says, no, I'm not interested? Or am I going to say, hey, Josh, thank you for you know, saving my time. I'm going to be off to the next lead. So we found that optimism is actually elastic. The more optimistic a person is, the more persistent they can be and can have some higher sales. And the reason I mention is that part of this podcast is sharing information. So if that helps your your AI, your hungry AI data. <laughs> That's great. I think, I mean, I, I, I personally believe in that too. I think optimism is something, you know, sales or, or really for any, any type of role. I've, I found people that have an optimistic viewpoint are, are going to be, you know, obviously it has to, has to be based on some kind of some, some, some form of reality, but I think there's a lot of benefits of, of bringing in people that are generally optimistic, positive attitudes, um, but but I, for specifically for sales, I, I I can see how that how that makes a lot of sense. Um, one of the, you know one of the things that um, it's a, it's actually brought up a, a interesting idea or in my mind was uh, we do a lot of on the platform skills based um, assessments. Uh, so everything that we do at Hired is um, we try to we try to focus on hiring based on skill, not based on on opinion. Um, and we, we've, we've gotten really good at that on the technology side uh, where it's very, you know, I would say straightforward to give an assessment on five questions on the specific coding language that someone, so, you know, do they know this or do they not know that? One of the things that we're actually thinking about and talking about now, we don't have a, a feature or product for this yet is how do we actually test salespeople 
um, in that same way where we do a skills-based assessment um, beyond just what they're, you know, the data that they're providing, right? Because people can provide a base level of information about themselves and their and their history, um, but then there's just also this next level of vetting that we like to do, um, which is around, um, you know, people can kind of get badges and 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 make themselves stand out in one way or another, um, and and one of the things is around sales uh, that we're that we're still to actually discovering and figuring hey, out what what is important there. Hey Josh, with the badges, do you ever use Credly? Have you heard I'm of these not, guys? I'm not familiar with it. We All actually right. have our own. We have our own platform. Um, hired, actually acquired a, a, a company a couple of years ago that does technical assessments um, and it fully integrated it into the marketplace, into our marketplace. So uh, it's all it's all proprietary um, uh, testing that we do currently on on the platform. Because yeah. yeah, the reason I ask, I just just I think on Thursday or Friday I spoke to uh, John Finkelstein, who what they do is Scott, not exactly like yours but they'll have badges, you know, if you take certain courses and certain accreditations. So then when you interview, kind of sort of similar to what you're talking about, rather than being, and we've all seen this, and I've seen this executive recruiter, is that you can have this charismatic, charming person, smooth talker, they'll get the interview, they'll get the job before someone who has all the right experiences. And then that person just flames out and the person who could really do the job didn't get it, but you match up the credentials, with through AI the same way you're doing it. So it's, I wonder if this is kind of the next trend, but I, yeah, I didn't I, know because you got a question. So I don't want to, after that. Talk, I, I mean, I, I was going to say, it's, it's just one quick point is that it's super interesting, yeah. right? You, you think about, um, you know, it's a historically companies would look at um, like badges, like, you know, I went to Harvard, right? And, and that would be a badge that someone would have that would sort of give this validity uh, to a person's uh, education. Um, this is kind of flipping it in a slightly different direction where it's, um, you know, not, you know, the, the, there's been some challenges with that over, over time though, where people have this bias towards, you know, really strong educations or, or, or they have a certain, you know, they went to a school and, and they, you know, love the Badgers, right? Like, you know, where I went to Wisconsin, right? They, they, they have these biases towards specific schools or not schools. So this is a slightly, a slight evolution of that to say, Hey, this is a badge based on this person's skills that they've actually proven that they have these skills, right? So it's kind of that next level of kind of saying, oh yeah, I have this, um, you know, I went to this great education. I got, you know, you, you make the assumption that the person is very smart based on that. This is actually sort of a proof point uh, around that. So Josh, one of the kind of major themes that have come up in the conversations that we've had on the podcast is around uh, the link between culture of an organization and whether or not it's a positive place to work. And when you have talked a lot about the assessment of skills uh, for the candidates, but how do you measure whether or not a candidate might be a good culture fit for an employee organization? Is there some level of assessment or do they share a certain amount of data around the type of organization they want to work for, or from the employer's perspective, you know, is this candidate a good culture fit? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. Um, you know, we, we also, we talk a little bit about um, culture fit versus culture ad too, where there's sometimes it's good for, especially with in diversity and inclusion to not only have people that squarely fit within the culture that you've defined, but also can be additive to it. Obviously you don't want people that are gonna be detrimental to, to the culture, but um, there, there, are, there are certain situations where you may have uh, a, uh, a gap 
or a known gap in your culture or in a specific skill set or value that you have um, that you're that you actually are going out and looking for proactively or to, to sort of bring diversity or bring a, a, a fair mix. Um, we don't do any today. We don't do any um, uh, sort of non-skill based assessments. Uh, we have you know we've, we've discussed those things um and and you know i i think there's a lot of a lot of validity to doing those type of you know personality tests and things like that to, to see fit uh one of the things we do focus on is um we have what we call the wish list so as i as i said in the beginning uh what we try to do is collect as much information as we can from both sides and one of those things that we collect on the candidate side is what is what it is that you're looking for in your next role um so we ask things like company size industry remote preferences um you know a slew of a slew of different different things that we can actually data points that we can actually use um to match and the employers we're gonna we're gonna do our best job of matching those to what we what we know about that company and then and then the companies can actually also further refine and, and look you know i, I want to only look at candidates that are interested in working at companies between you know one and, and 500 employees or, or whatever that sort of criteria is um, but I think, you know, what we're doing is making that initial match kind of like a dating site. And a lot of times those cultural, uh, conversations about culture fit or culture ad tend to come out a little bit later in the process. Um, so we're not necessarily always, always involved in that. Um, but I can definitely, you know, talk a lot about what we're doing as a company, um, to, uh, to, to make sure that we're, we're hiring people within within our values. Um, and, and that's something we, 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 we make as part of our interview process is uh, values assessment um, on, on candidates and, and come up with specific questions that sort of try to poke into experiences that they've had, um, beliefs that they have surrounding our, our values as hired. So one, just a quick add on question to that then, because we spoke right before the podcast started for a moment about the, how the AI driven hiring system allows for maybe an elimination of systemic bias that may occur when, when it's a human focused assessment uh, system. So how um, when, you're, when you have those situations where you have organizations that are looking to, to hire for diversity or looking for cultural ads, um, because they've realized they have a real gap uh, in the number of women that work at the organization or in leadership or and so forth, or with racial and ethnic minorities, how, um, how, how, do, how does Hired really address those questions um, around being able to hire for diversity? Yeah, that's, that's a great question and, and something that has been top of mind for every, every one of our customers, um, which is really exciting to us is um, you know, how do we, how do we help, how do we help companies find more underrepresented talent, build a better, a more diverse team and, and workforce? Um, you know, we started looking at, you know, Hired has always been known as being a thought leader in diversity and inclusion um, for the past 10 years uh, since, since the company has started. Um, we've over time created a number of features um, on within the platform to help companies uh, solve for diversity in different ways, um, and uh, you know we have the salary we have um, salary reduction bias 
these, which are which come a little bit later in the process where we find that if a company is sending a uh, interview request with a, a salary that's underneath or way above someone for the same exact role um, that, that may be an underrepresented candidate, we will actually flag it to them. They can still decide that they want to go through with it, but we'll actually let them know, uh, hey, this, this salary seems to be biased um, that, you're, that you're proposing here. That's that's your, I mean, so you just jump right in, right? And you'll, you'll say, wait a minute, this is not fair? Yeah, we'll, be a flag. You know, we're not gonna we're not gonna stop them from doing it flat out, but we're gonna right. we're gonna we're gonna raise the awareness so that that, that, that some, a lot of people a lot of times these these biases as, as I know you guys know are is unconscious bias right yeah. so they're not necessarily things that people are thinking about at the time but we're flagging it so that they so that we can bring that awareness to them. Another another sorry go ahead. Oh. I was going to just quickly ask what percentage of people that you you flag and you go to them and say, hey, you know, we got a flag up here. What percentage change the the offer? A or lot. Listen to your advice? A lot. A lot. Uh, yeah, I don't have the I don't have the the raw data, but uh, it's it's significant. Um, the the people people change it at the time. Um, it's 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 a significant amount of people that actually take that recommendation from us, which is which is exciting for us because we can actually help shape shape uh, sort of the the get ahead of it, right, and, and change it. Do you ever look at the other side? So women have a tendency to underestimate their worth. And, right. um, and also women have a tendency to feel like they have to have done the job before they go for the job, whereas men will go up for the next job knowing they have the potential to get a talent to do it. Do you yeah. see those types of trends in your data? And will you ever flag the other way to say you're underestimating your, your value or your worth for this particular role? Yeah, exactly. So we actually put out um, one of the things that we're really proud of is all the data reports that we put out um, every year. Uh, we have a report that we publish, um, which is the salary inequality report um, that talks specifically about the point you're you're making, where um, on average women are less are asked for less money, and so they end up getting less money. That's that's sort of historically what's what's happened. Um, and so one of the things that we do actually when uh, candidates are actually going through the registration is um, we provide them with visibility into um, the salary uh, ranges for for their experience and for all everything we know about them as they fill out their profile. Uh, we provide them with a full bell curve so that they That's can great. actually see they can actually we, see uh, and, and it's all real time data that we have. So you see they could see it. So as like if Tessa's apply, she'll see the real time data of what. She'll see this is, you know, this is for your role, for your level of experience, for the skills that you've told us about, for the, you know, the assessments that you've wow. taken. And, and, and this is, you know, this is a, a, it won't be so precise, but we'll give you the bell curve. And then you can actually put in, um, the candidate can put in what their, what their expectation is. Um, and so we, we try to provide like, you know, our, our um, hired's uh, vision is to make hiring all hiring, equitable, transparent, and efficient, right? So you think about kind of those those principles that we that we operate by. Um, you know, this specifically is talking to the uh, all, all three of them really, but the the equity and transparency. So we have all this unique data. Um, you know, I would argue that we have probably the best salary, real time salary uh, benchmarking data. Um, because we're seeing offers happen back and forth um, in, in real time so that we actually provide that on, on to, to both sides in, in ways that, that, that make sense as they're going through the process. Um, 
and that's that's just one of the things that we've done from a diversity uh, and inclusion perspective. The other thing is we have a bias reduction feature. So a lot of times, um, you know, we talked a little bit about this earlier, but a lot of times people have these these unconscious bias, whether it be by a name, by a photo, uh, by the school people went to, what year they graduated. And so we have a filter that you can actually switch a toggle and turn off all of that information. Um, so a lot of people like to see it because it makes it a lot more of an interesting, you know, process to when you see people's names and faces and kind of where they're sure. from. And but but we also give that option for people to actually force that off as well, which is a which is a, a great feature too. So so Josh, so just to frame it, make sure I understand when so let's say I'm I'm posting and I'm looking for a kind of tech job, they may not have my name, my, you know, where I went to school, anything that they're just judging me purely on my skills, my talent, and my criteria. And that's it. That's on the employer side. Yeah. So the companies yeah. will have they have the option. So they can either yeah. decide that they and, and they can do it either on an individual level or the or the company can actually decide for for the every for all the recruiters there. Um, do you want to you know use use the product in a way that shows the faces and the names, or do you want it to be completely focused on only the, the experiences and the, and the skills. Um, and, and again, a lot of people take take that um, opportunity to to do this in a bias-free way. Um, the, and, and the last thing, which is, is the most recent um, uh, thing that we've done, which has been hugely popular and we've been seeing over the past, we, we launched this new feature, what we call diversity goals. Um, diversity goals is uh, something that, you know, every company has some form of, of, uh, goals when they're, when they're looking to, to, to bring diversity and, and, and to, to their team and, and bring in more underrepresented talent. Um, and so there's been a lot of solutions, a lot of products that have come out to try to help companies with this. Um, and what we found is that, uh, a lot of the, the tools and the, the products out that are out there, um, are actually doing things, um, in a way that, that we don't feel so good about. Um, there's a lot of companies that are using AI and using inferred uh, data to actually classify people. Um, so uh, they may look at the photos, they look at the names, they look at the schools that people went to, and they will make uh, they will make um, an assumption about uh, what gender, what race this particular person is, and then serve serve that all up in a in a tool. And what we found is that um, that we don't we don't feel like that's the right the right approach. Uh, so what we've done is we've actually uh, like we do with with all the other pieces of our platform is we have we've actually asked people uh, candidates to self identify uh, with um, what gender what what ethnicity they are um, and, and a, a, several other attributes. And what we've what we do on the employer side is we have a single checkbox. Um, a, a single sort of filter, if you will, that if a company is looking to bring in underrepresented talent, we will push those people that, that match the skill set to the top of the list. We don't disclose any of the, the specific details of the information of how this person identifies in terms of what underrepresented group they may identify with. Um, but we give people the we give companies the opportunity to see all those people at the top of the list. We also don't exclude anyone um, at, at the bottom. So it's still the same list, but just reordered essentially um, to make sure that the underrepresented talent is coming to the top of the list. Um, and we we base all of our uh, our uh, 
underrepresentation uh, based on the um, the EEOC definition of underrepresented talent in tech, uh, which is which is our you know where we're what we're talking about here. Um, and so, uh, historically, before we had this feature, um, on average, companies would have about twenty percent of uh, their pipelines for a specific role filled with underrepresented talent. Eighty percent would be you know, non-underrepresented talent. Um, now, once people are using this feature, uh, what we're seeing is over 50% of their full pipeline for a specific role having uh, underrepresented talent, uh, you know, 50% of them being underrepresented, uh, which is really a huge shift and a huge, uh, we're really proud of that because we're seeing now big trends in companies actually bring, being able to bring in more underrepresented talent in, into, the, into their pipelines. Um, it doesn't mean that they're going to use any of that information in making the hiring decision, um, but they're going to at least get the filler, like a more full pipeline of, of a more uh, sort of um, diverse group. And, and we also partner, uh, obviously, in order, to, in order to have these underrepresented talent pool to, to showcase, we partner with hundreds of organizations um, where we actually have relationships with them directly so that they actually send us uh, any underrepresented talent that, that they may have for their specific community. Um, so uh, sometimes companies have um, spent a lot of time, invested a lot of money in building up all these one-off relationships with these different communities. Uh, what happens is they can't possibly in, have that sort of level of investment across hundreds of the communities. So uh, we actually do that work and do it at scale for not only just one company, but all of the companies that, that, that work with us. On that note, do you do anything with age? We have an age issue, uh, issue. like in, in Eastern cultures, they really love older people for their judgment and wisdom. Uh, in, in our Western culture, uh, you're too old, we're not going to think about you. Uh, is there any trends that people are looking for older people or is older people like, like an underrepresented community? Does age play any role from your, from your viewpoint? It's a, it's a, it's a great question. And definitely age is, uh, you know, ageism is, is one of the things that, um, falls into, uh, things that we, that, that we try to get people to avoid. Um, I don't believe that we actually include that in our, um, underrepresented group. Simply because we we follow the EEOC uh, standard definition and and they and and it's not included in, in their definition, um, but but it's something we something we've talked about and there's other there's other um, aspects of a demographic that we've also uh, looked at before, um, but but we do I think we do have um, I'm pretty sure on if you take if you do that bias reduction toggle that we that we do remove the year of graduation which is sometimes a uh, uh, something that that people you know unconsciously look at to to weed out um, you know people that are that are older than what they're looking for or something like that. It's and it's also no, sorry, the last thing I would say is uh, we do this wage gap report that I mentioned before um, uh, that where where we where we talked about the uh, that females have tend to ask for uh, lower salaries. In that report, um, we also talk about. Um, age uh and and the and the wage gap uh with age as a as a as a sort of filter as well 
Yeah, one of my thoughts on it, and I'm, I'm curious if you have any, any thoughts in this direction, is that I know a lot of people who are older and they're very happy to take a much lower salary in exchange for uh, like, like healthcare benefits and insurance. And I'm wondering if that's some sort of opportunity that some of your clients would, would want to have. Like, sure, we're happy to pay full boat on insurance if you're willing to take a half cut or something like that. I mean, our, our view on that would be, let's, let's base it on skills, right? We don't, you know, we don't want to really give people the opportunity to um, kind of start cherry picking, if you will. That's why, that's why we, um, that's why we actually don't even, some platforms let people look by, you know, filter by ethnicity and really get really granular with things. Um, we try to keep it more high level and focus in on the skills, give people a little bit more of a blunt instrument to say, I'm looking for more underrepresented talent. Let's show you the, let's show you underrepresented talent in tech. Um, but we don't want to, we don't want to really enable cherry picking because we think that that actually does a disservice to um, the goals of, of actually building a, a, a diverse team. Cause it, cause it, it, we, we think that actually leads to more um, bias and, and more, less diversity. Tessa. Yeah, so one question I have, because this has come up a, a few times also in the podcast, is that uh, where there's an obvious labor shortage in some er in some um, industries and, and sectors um, of the job market, and we've heard different theories around uh, the great resignation versus the great reshuffling. What, what, what's your take on it, or what's Hired's take on it? What's happening? I mean, we've seen, you know, we've seen uh, a huge sort of shift in power, I would say, towards the, towards the employee side. Um, you know, our view is, is that, uh, you know, candidates have, have or employees have really taken the time during the pandemic to um, think about what it is that they care about in, in where they work. Um, people have uh, wanted companies to take a stance on, on social and injustice issues and cultural issues like they've never had historically. And, can, and, and people want to uh, believe in the values and believe in the mission and the vision very, very deeply in, in where they work. And I think that, that has specifically in tech, so, you know, in sales that I'm talking about here, um, we've seen that, that become more and more important and, and sometimes um, people are willing to take lower salaries uh, even to work at a place that they feel connected to um, the mission and the vision. Um, and we think that a lot of that has led to uh, people, you know, taking the time to think about, hey, this is this is this is aligned with 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 what I believe in. Um, this company's mission and vision is aligned with what I believe in, and I, I want to, I, I, or it's not, and I want to leave and, and go find the place that does. Um, and so we, that's sort of that whole idea of this wish list that we that we created was, um, what are the things that you're actually looking for in in a company, um, and is it is it a hard no, like, should we not even send you interview requests to companies that don't match this, or just something that 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 you're that you care, you know, that you care about, but you wouldn't turn down an opportunity because of. Um, but we've seen we've seen a lot of you know people moving at at much fast, you know, much greater rate now. Um, I would say some of it has to do with just the the market and the the people people see other people leaving and then they say, hmm you know, maybe I can get a, a better, a better rate or be part of a, like a, you know, a culture that resonates with me. Um, and then it starts a little bit of a snowball effect, but all of our, all of our customers are, are dealing with that too. On the, on the flip side of, um, you know, how do I, how do I really engage my teams, engage my, my, 
and connect with them, especially with this remote, you know, in this remote world, uh, it's harder and harder to connect with people in general and build relationships. And um, it's, 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 all, it's hard, but it's also the most important thing a company can do right now to keep people and keep people excited and, and, and keep people motivated and keep people aligned. Um, and so it's, it's, it's something that we are spending a lot of time on, on our internal teams um, investing in because a, it's really important for us to um, for, for us to, to be able to, to build and, and, and retain the incredible people that we that we have, but also our customers come to us and ask us about it, right? So it's something like diversity and inclusion where you can't just sell a product for it; you have to live it. Um, and it's something that's something that we take internally too very seriously. Is we walk the talk, we we talk the talk, and we and we walk the walk, and um, that's how we're able to actually. Um, provide the expertise and provide the, the, the thought leadership around it. So Josh, this is all great. I, I think I can speak for Jack and Tessa that when we talk to all these CEOs, we want to stay on the, we still want to stay on all day, but as we come to a close, I'm going to ask you my, my crystal ball question. So imagine you have a crystal ball. Uh, you can predict a few years into the future. When all this is settled out, there's just so much change in the workplace. Which trends and changes do you think are actually going to stick for the good? What do you, what do you think might might come out of this for the good? Um, I think uh, I think what, the thing we what we just talked about, where I think um, companies are uh, employees are going to be wanting to work at companies where they can connect and they and they buy into the vision. Um, I don't think that's going away. I think that's something that is here to stay, and I think companies are going to have to invest a lot more and work a lot harder to figure out what they stand for and uh, make that more prominent in, 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 in how they communicate internally and externally. I think um, uh, remote um, is something we didn't talk a lot about today, but I think remote is sticking. Um, one of the things that I, um, I would and tell you guys are a remote is, first company, aren't you? We're a remote first company yeah. where one of our big strategies next year is becoming a best in class remote first strategy internally. Again, it's the same kind of thing where we need to sort of eat our own dog food um, because people are asking us about it. And, um, you know, so, so we're, we're investing a lot in asynchronous communication, um, better ways to get alignment across everyone in the company knows what we're all doing and, and what their role is in that. Um, it's, it's surprisingly a lot harder in a remote world, um, but it's really important. And, and, and with, are you with guys in the metaverse yet, though? Are you guys avatars <laughs> meeting in the metaverse yet? We we are not, but I we are not, but I do. I have a Oculus sitting right over here that I am that I, that I am playing with to see kind of if it's something that we should that we should that we should kind of explore or try. Um, but it's not something we've, we've we were just talking about this right before we went on because I interviewed a guy who has a startup company that they're building all the tools for the metaverse. So I went over to their offices, put on the Oculus glasses, doing it. So they were thinking, maybe if we could do the podcast like that, that would be really <laughs> interesting, right? That would be unique. I'm, so, down, I'm, I'm down to try because I'm looking are, for other people. To, I'm looking for other people to test to test it with because it's it's still a little bit uh, sparse it, right now. It's wild. So you, I'll take you up on it, man, because it's. <laughs> I, I got to say it because I, I brought my son with me, and and he was much you know, easier to kind of get right into the swing of things. For me, it took a little bit longer because I'm a little bit older, I guess, maybe perhaps. But I got to tell you, I was sold. Like I walked away thinking this, why, why would, especially let's say a remote first, like you're doing, why wouldn't you have people just have the meetings in the metaverse? You're kind of, you know, you're, you're, you're 
is a little bit more dynamic than the format we have now. And it brings people together. I, I could just see so much potential. Yeah, I'm still, it's, it's still early days for me on that, yeah. on that piece, but I love, you know, I love yeah. seeing people's faces and interacting with them. I think obviously the, it, with the remote world, it's, it, you're able to actually do that in a way that we, we're all in different, in different cities and, and we can all be sort of in the same room together. And I think that that's, that's, that's really incredible. Um, but I think one of the other things with remote that, that is not going away is, um, you know, once you have one remote person, even if you start going back to the office, the company has to operate in, in a remote way. And now that companies have hired remote people um, during the last two years, uh, I think the genie, you know, I kind of say the genie's out of the bottle. It's going to be really hard, even if companies really want to kind of get go back to this office culture to um, to not operate in a way that it actually is inclusive of, of people that are that are in remote locations. Once you have remote locations, um, it, it opens up uh, sort of incredible opportunity to go after the best talent and find people wherever they are, the best people um, and the best fit for your company, whether that be in the country that you're operating in or globally. And so this is a big trend that we're seeing now is companies are, um, especially with, um, the you know the pay the, the pressure on on pay equity and and um, and sort of the 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 incredible demand that's that's happening right now for tech talent is companies are starting to open up even broader views of 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 where the where 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 they're going to be looking for for top talent and a lot of other countries outside of the U.S. Um, and outside of kind of the core European countries have been investing in STEM education uh, for, you know, for tech talent so that it's kind of this perfect storm where there's a lot of great tech talent um, that never had the, the access to opportunities um, and uh, used to be uh, where, where um, uh, talent is, you know, I, I, used to, I would say the talent is universal opportunities never never were before they were very segmented or, or specific to a city now the opportunities can all be um can, can all be available to the best talent no matter where they are which is which i think is, is really exciting one, one last quick question josh before we head yeah. out i think everybody wants to know what kind of salaries can you expect i know they're all different types but you know you hear about tech and all the money is being made i mean generally speaking like what's if someone wants to pivot, let's say someone who's watching this, who wants to pivot into tech industry, somebody who wants to reinvent themselves and go back to school, is it possible, number one? And number two, what's the real deal? So great question. Um, I don't want to give you a specific answer because it's mm -hmm. very, very different based on level of experience and mm -hmm. the specific function in tech. It's very hard to say just this is what you make in tech. Um, the good news, though, is that, like I said, we have all this data. Um, and we publish it um, of publicly available to everyone. So, and we have this really, really nice uh, tool on our on our website, hired.com backslash salary, where you could go in and put in any kind of filters you want for remote or specific geography or specific skills, how many years of experience. Um, and you can actually see um, the, the very granular data that's, that's in real time happening in our marketplace. So I would encourage mm -hmm. people if they, if they do want to, if they are looking to explore that, if they're thinking about, you know, should I get into data science or machine learning or X, Y, Z, you can, and, and you're interested in, in, in salaries and an important aspect of, of your, of what you're looking for, I would go there um, even maybe even before you kind of start getting into some of the some of the investing in classes and, and schools and things like that. But 
the other thing I would say to that point is um, we're, we've seen it, we've seen a big increase in um, non-traditional educations, specifically in tech. So uh, people who are maybe you know later in life, or maybe they uh, want to do a career pivot. Um, there's coding boot camps um, are obviously a big a big uh, trend. One of Adeco's other brand, other one of our sister brands is called General Assembly, which is which is a, a coding boot camp. But there's obviously a lot of other ones as well, um, and a lot of people are also doing self being self taught. So they're going on right. YouTube, learning how to how to code. Um, and again, it's all you know. We we try to strive for that skill based assessment. So if they come in and they can prove themselves in our coding assessments, then you know there's no reason that a company should not hire them. Um, and, and, and we're seeing companies hiring those people just, just as equally as they are people that have traditional, you know, really strong traditional education and things like that as well. Which oh, is, Josh, don't is tell great. that to a mom who's about to send <laughs> her 18-year-old to college and pay a Well, thank you, Josh. This is great. This is, you know, it's, it's really interesting because it's so different the way you do business compared to kind of the typical job board. I mean, you really took it to the next level. And I love what you're doing about diversity. That's so it's fantastic. So I'm so glad you took the time to share with us all the great things you're doing over there. If you don't mind, maybe we could do is what we posted. Mike, Tessa, what do you think? Is that, Josh, if you're okay with it, maybe we could add on, you know, the salary, uh, you know, when you, cause I, I think I've reported about that too, kind of the salary ranges and all that cause people want to see that and then how they can get into it because that's such a hot area and the interest to so many people. Yeah, it would be great. We have our, um, you know, we, we put out that that report. I think we talked yeah. about it, Jack, previously. The um, yeah. the the set tech tech salaries report yeah, yeah, we publish yeah. it every year. Um, we can all. It's also great that we do it every year because you can see how things change year over year. Um, and then we have the. Um, we'll also send you the the link to the salary calculator that I talked That'd about. That'd be great. As well. So you, you can put that in the in the show notes because awesome. um, that's that's helping a lot of people um kind of figure out what they're worth, right? Which is which is which is really important. Perfect. Excellent, excellent. All right, well, great. Well, thank you so much.